Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate, and provide education from our guests' experience. Today, we're joined by Nikki Rastami and Max Nichols, who have both taken time out of their busy schedules to talk to us about their experience transitioning from dental core training back into practice. I love how busy it is and how you're like on all the time and you see a wide variety of people um, day in day. And I love making that social connection with every single one of them and you know getting that relationship with every single one seeing them come back finishing treatment plans um it's a very different to hospital you got a lot more independence things get done a lot quicker um which is good i then thought oh you, you know what that i i don't really want that for myself i don't think i want to work in a small practice mm. you know potentially six days a week yeah. for the rest of my life with your host Josh Hudson. And I think a lot of trainees are probably going to be at a crossroads where they're thinking about whether to pursue more dental core training or a more hospital-based pathway or whether to go back into practice. And I think potentially there's a bit of anxiety about that transition. So I'm really excited to hear about both of your experiences and uh, hear any advice that you might have for, for trainees in that same situation. I think first of all, if you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Max, what's your history? Where, what have you done? What jobs have you done? How have you got to the point that, that you're at now? Um, so I grew up in Kent in the Southeast of England uh, and went straight to dental school um, from school as a school leaver. Uh, studied at King's and then enjoyed being in London. And so stayed for my foundation training and did that in Southeast London in a practice in Camberwell. Um, and then after foundation training, I spent a year at the Eastman um, doing a restorative dental core trainee post um, and have, as, as you were discussing, have subsequently um, now transitioned and I work part time um, back in practice in the same one where I did my foundation training in Camberwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I spend two days a week still at the Eastman Dental Hospital um, under the education centre as a tutor dentist for the School of Hygiene and Therapy. Great, so it's a nice mix. Nikki, what, how have you ended up uh, at the position that you're at now? Yeah, so I lived in London and then went straight to dental school as well, went to Cardiff. Um, but then after five years, thought I should come back to London. So <laughs> I got the North London Deanery for my DFT and then went in to do DCT1 at Guy's Hospital. It was a mixed post, um, six months restorative and six months oral surgery. And then after that, I'm now doing um, practice for three days a week. Uh, at the moment, I'm in New Cross. And I do for the other two days, I'm a restorative staff grade at Guy's Hospital. Great. So I think, I think I'm right in saying that you guys were that cohort of DFTs that were kind of slap bang in the middle of COVID. And I know when we were talking to the current DCTs about the DCT pathway, they were talking to us about their experiences within that. How 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 was it for you? How did you feel that that COVID um, interruption, should we say, to your FD year um, affected affected you? Well, I guess initially, like everyone, everything was a bit chaotic. Um, mm. And we spent a lot of time doing online study days and 
and working and sort of, yeah, working from home. And then when we went back into practice, we were just doing telephone triage and um, issuing remote antibiotic prescriptions mm -hmm. where necessary. Um, and spent several months doing that prior to coming in, in a sort of um, slightly bizarre post COVID setup, which was still being figured out by the powers that be. It's still now um, being figured out. And it's still yeah. now being figured out. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, having to sort of get your head around the whole AGP, non-AGP scenario. Um, and and I guess most of us um, experience some sort of redeployment. And so I was initially um, posted to care homes to do COVID testing on residents okay. and staff. Mm -hmm. And then I went on the crash course for the Nightingale Hospital. Okay. Uh, although I arrived there on the day that they announced the Nightingale Hospital was closing. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I had my crash course and wasn't ever put into action. Uh, and then, and then I guess outside of that, my, my dad is a pharmacist and he had his own pharmacy at the time and they were just completely inundated and so on weekends and bank holidays and things he uh, he had to be open all hours and so i was back at home helping him out and so got to experience lots of different aspects of healthcare during that time which obviously wouldn't have done had covid not not hit yeah so loads, loads it was quite of different an things. interesting time i guess yeah nikki how how was it for you um, for me, it actually hit a very unfortunate time <clears throat> because um, within FD, I had to actually change practice and I'd had just changed practice and had just started within the new practice. And I think it was just under a month when COVID hit and we had to stop everything. So for me, it was, it was really, really unfortunate. I was really mm -hmm. like looking forward to, you know, getting settled in a new practice. Um, so already I was at a disadvantage compared to my other colleagues because, yeah. you know, with a disruption, I had seen less patients. Um, and again, as Max said, we were seeing patients over the phone. That was quite an interesting experience because I had to send my YouTube videos on how to put their own temporary fillings <laughs> in. And I was put on speaker and you could hear them grumbling on the other end, not happy about this situation. <laughs> so it was it was an interesting time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was different. I was also redeployed, um, kind of different to Max. I was mainly working with the police and the fire, fire station, helping out the ambulance services just um, within the community. Um, so yeah, it was actually really, really nice working with different members of the community and um, getting out the healthcare world a little bit and working with the police. It was a different different take really, it was, it was, a, it was nice. Yeah, sounds interesting. So I think you both had different experiences. I think my, my question was gonna be, how did that impact your training? And I, obviously I guess it did, um, but it seems like you gained some additional skills from these other things that you ended up doing. So um, I don't know, how, how did it impact your training? I think that end of FD year is where everybody kind of feels like they start building up and getting more confident and you lost that bit. Do you think it really affected your clinical skills and your confidence or did the other skills that you gained kind of counteract that a little bit or how do you feel it affected your training? 
Um, personally, I felt like I was more confident in other ways, in my personal skills, my communication skills, you know, being thrown into something that we didn't know what to do and adapting to the new environment. It was almost more scary than the first day of FD because <laughs> at least I knew, you know, how to do fillings and things. But in this new position, I everything was unknown and it was changing day by day. So, you know, becoming a bit more adaptable and my communication skills really developed. But at the end of it, I really went into DCT knowing that, you know, my other colleagues had done potentially more clinical work. And personally, I felt more disadvantaged clinically. And I think that did take a hit in my confidence clinically. And it put me at a different position to other people. It made me want to do more in DCT and, you know, catch up with the gap. But that's my personal experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, t I think I was quite fortunate. The practice that I was in was a really long-standing FD practice. And so I really hit the ground running and had worked up to a good work, the sort of um, work level by the point that the pandemic hit. And so I think sort of from from about Christmas time during FD year, from, from that point on. And so I guess pre-COVID, we had about three months. I'd say that during those three months, I found that I was really working at a, a good rate. I wasn't really calling my trainer in um, too much for assistance. Uh, and I felt that my my confidence in, in my clinical skills was really building. And so it was definitely frustrating when the practice has to close yeah. its doors and, and we didn't do anything clinically for, for so many months. Um, but I think I, I could still reassure myself that I had, uh, you know, had reached a good level of confidence in my clinical skills. And, and, you know, we still had five years of dental school behind us and, yeah. and all the clinical work that we'd done there. And so uh, I think, yeah, we, we just sort of, everyone was caught up in, in this exceptional time and all of us suffered in, in some way. And so I think I just felt grateful really that we were still kind of under that protective umbrella of being a trainee. We still had a guaranteed salary. Yeah. It wasn't like associates who you yeah. know were, were in a really sort of stressful situation life-wise because they all of a sudden, you know, their, their income was slashed. Um, and so I think that in terms of the the anxiety that the dental profession was feeling at that time as a as a trainee i think sort of it it put into perspective things weren't too bad for us yeah okay so i think it's quite different experiences but by, by the sound of things in terms of how you felt that affected you and then obviously you both went on to do dct jobs so just briefly what what dct jobs did you end up doing i'm actually mentioned um, DCT and restorative at the Eastman. Yeah. So, and Nikki, you were a, a guys, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think, did that COVID experience influence your, um, decision to undertake DCT? Was that something that you always wanted to do? Did you feel like you needed that little extra support for that first year after that disrupted FD year or how, how did a DCT come into your kind of plan at that point? Um, I always knew I wanted to do DCT just mm. because I wanted to see how it was to be in the hospital. Yeah. Um, just you won't ever get that experience again. So I thought, you know, why not? And keep options open, right? Yeah, exactly. And you don't like it was the thing that really appealed to me at the time was that it was quite structured and I didn't have to decide there and then what to do. And I picked oral surgery and restorative because it kind of kept my options open. You know, um, I knew that I enjoyed restorative. So that was that. And I knew that I needed 
did more work on my oral surgery skills. So one was one I enjoyed and the other one was, you know, to make myself a better dentist. So that's why I chose that job. And it was six months of both, so it was mixed. Um, personally, yeah, the thing as Max said, it was really good because I knew I was going to another training post. And when we went in, the first thing our consultants said that they knew that we didn't have much experience because of COVID, because mm -hmm. of our redeployment. So they essentially, um, for me personally, I think they treated us differently to the other cohorts. So within the first three to six months, we were a lot more, you know, supervised, help was more available if we needed it, less thrown into the deep end really. So mm -hmm. I think that was quite helpful. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed my time. Would recommend anyone to go to Guys. Um, so yeah, it's a great place. Perfect. And then Max, what, did you feel the same? Were you always planning on doing DCT? I, similar to Nikki, I did want to get a feel for what it was like working in the hospital uh, and again, keep my options open. Um, and so I sent off my application for DCT, but wasn't really, wasn't really sure what area I wanted to be working in. I was enjoying my time in practice and restorative, it, you know, en encompasses pretty much everything that you do in practice. Yeah, very practice applicable. Both, I guess, are really practice yeah. applicable And jobs. so I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to go in, you know, I didn't want to go step too far away from the skills that I'd been honing through dental school and through practice. And so I wanted to do a restorative post ideally, but the, you know, the national recruitment process is, is quite a strange one and you can't really you don't always get what you what you wanted to do mm. and and it's very competitive getting into a dct post so i didn't really have my heart completely set on it but i was really glad to get a restorative post and then i think well i'd say that i was very fortunate going into the restorative post having had a year of limited clinical activity that the the post here at the eastman is quite unique in that you they have a relationship with the UCL um, postgraduate dental school and the DCTs who are on restorative posts get to join the postgraduate students in pros for their introductory course, which has a lot of uh, phantom head and, and laboratory work um, within it. And so doing those phantom head activities, crown preparations uh, and, uh, and you know, bridge preparations, that sort of thing, and refining those skills um, in a simulated setting was really, really helpful. Uh, getting getting the hand skills back, just getting used to um, doing doing uh, you know practical work again, mm -hmm. and so I, I I did feel grateful for that prior to uh, prior to doing those treatments on patients rather than just being thrown straight in. I think that um, had that been the case, I would have been you know a little bit anxious about it having had a few months of or, you know away from doing clinical work yeah um and and simply really enjoyed my year uh, had had no regrets at all I learned a great deal and really built on um on my undergraduate learning and and, and yeah plenty of plenty of things were sort of demystified from from occlusion <laughs> to yeah ceramics and different different preparations and materials uh, and dentures i feel that the yeah, the skills that I learned were definitely um, definitely applicable to practice and, and whatever I then wanted to to go on and do. So, yeah, so that sounds like there was a really beneficial element of the DCT program to your undergraduate and your FD year training. Um, and then moving forward, obviously, you've both now decided to step back out of, well, 
to a degree, step back out of hospital into practice. Um, so the first thing really is, how have you found that transition? Have you found it e easy to go back from hospital back into practice? Has it been, were you worried about it in the first place? Has it been easier, harder? How has that transition been? For me, um, at the beginning, it was quite daunting and I didn't know what to expect just because I didn't actually have a proper stint at FD, you know. Mm -hmm. um, within the first practice, I had to swap because to the second practice because there just wasn't a lot of patients there. So I was behind on the UDA values. Um, so even then, you know, even if it was six months there, I didn't really have the patient load. Um, so one of the things I was really afraid of, I guess, at the beginning was seeing that amount of patients to begin with and how I would manage to do that. How you'd um, cope with the UDA yeah, pressures, exactly. which I guess is where everybody's concern is, is going back into practice from yeah. hospital where things are slower. Definitely, yeah, and like phasing treatment, different stuff that you don't quite learn in DCT or practice in DCT. And within DCT, like within my restorative, we saw maximum three patients in an afternoon. And then um, you switch to how many patients? around 15, yeah. 17 now, so yeah. But how was it? How did it, was it okay? Well, you obviously yeah. made it through. <laughs> so yeah, made it through. Um, at the beginning, it was just really tiring. I think that's with any, starting any new job, you know, you gotta come acclimatize to the place, you gotta get to know the team. It was a lot of new things to learn to begin with. Um, but I soon managed to, you know, get the hang of th these things. You you build up speed quicker than you think you do, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I just say, take your time. Um, but at the end, it was fine. Looking back on it, it was okay. But before I started, I was a bit terrified, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> How was it for you, was it? Well, I, I think I should have been feeling a lot more like Nikki was. But <laughs> <laughs> But probably quite recklessly, I, I thought it was all going to be, be absolutely fine. I think I had the security of going into my former foundation practice. And so it was an environment with which I was familiar. Mm. Uh, I, you know, the, I knew, I knew all of the nurses, I knew the other dentists and got on really well with them. And so I, I was looking forward to going back, but I think I hadn't, I hadn't quite uh, sort of considered the fact that I was going back as an associate and not as a foundation dentist, like I've been before. And so there are obviously different demands of an associate dentist. You, you know, you need to see more patients um, and, and, you know, work, work, more efficiently and so I did struggle initially I think I think similar to Nikki with with hindsight looking back I was absolutely fine but I'd just become accustomed to having longer appointments and and being able to um you know take my time and really refine things and then I you know was just thrown straight back into sort of 20-30 minute um, checkups and and having to condense everything down into that amount of time and and just all the talking was was really tough. By <laughs> by, I actually end up it was the you know around the time when there were loads of colds going around because we were all sort of starting mixing again with with lockdowns and everything ending. And so within within like my first week, I went down with a horrific cold, which was probably <laughs> thanks to being being so exhausted and doing all this talking. Um, um, but but subsequently, um, you know, with with time, things became much easier, and I'm now really enjoying my time in practice actually, and in, enjoying uh, enjoying you know the freedom of of sort of working independently uh, and and being able to to make decisions 
without having to consult a supervisor and and sort of trusting my judgment again uh, i have i have enjoyed getting back into that sort of swing of things yeah but still i presume still getting a bit of support as you know the team that's there there's your old es is there yeah yeah so, support support when i need it i think uh, and it's a nice team nice team of associates we're all around the same age around a similar stage in our career and so um and so it's really nice to have that peer support and if we have say a challenging case or a case where we, we're not entirely um set on a treatment plan we want to just sort of discuss the options and what we might do uh then then we can rely on one another to do that uh, which is which i'm really grateful for so you'd recommend going back to your FD practice if I, th I think feasible? It, I think, yeah, I think it makes the transition a lot easier. Yeah. I think that I would feel, I would feel pretty nervous about going to a new practice and having the, just, you know, it, the, starting a new job, regardless of what the job is, 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 is intimidating. And you have all of these people to meet, you have, you know, your new boss to please. Uh, <laughs> and, and, on, and then, you know, as a dentist on top of that, you've got your patients to, to deal with. And so I, I think, you know, I was, I was lucky in that sense. Um, and, and yeah, would definitely recommend if, if anyone else is, is considering the same, um, early on in your career, uh, having that support when you need it is, is, is vital really. Sounds good. So, yeah. Nikki, con contrasting that, I know that you were, I think you were offered a position back oh, wow. at your FD practice, but it was inconvenient to get to. Is that right? It was a bit, yeah. bit far to travel. Yeah. So, so in a completely different situation. So here you were coming out of DCT, minimal practice experience, and you were suddenly having to find that job. Mm. Uh, I'd imagine that's quite daunting. I've not done it myself, but how on how on earth do you even start? How did you start that process of finding that practice job and then getting it and yeah. then doing well within it? To be honest, um, because I, I had no idea. I don't know, like my other friends were all in Cardiff and it's very different in Cardiff. So, um, but I didn't even know where to start to begin with. It was, I, I was asking people um, like, how do we, where do I even look for this job? Uh, mm. So a lot of options were given like BDJ jobs um, on the on the magazines and things. Um, the way I found it was D4D um, on the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, I found that quite good actually, because there were loads of different, you know, job adverts coming out all the time. And it was the only way to get on it was you had to be a dentist. So, you know, it was obviously legit jobs coming through there. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there are other agencies that you could sign up to as well. Um, I didn't really get around to do that. So still I found a 3DPD. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was a bit daunting because, you know, with, with DCT and everything till then, I knew what they were going to ask me at like interviews. I knew what the process the was going to be. Yeah, it was very structured. And felt like as a cohort or as a group of friends, we were going through it together. This mm -hmm. time, my other friends were going through DCT too. I was kind of breaking away from the pack. It was it was very different. Um, so yeah, what I, uh, what I did to prepare for it essentially and to give myself like a bit of an introduction was obviously to make a CV first. Mm -hmm. 
and I'd not really made a CV before then. So yeah, yeah it was a lot of researching. And I remember actually looking at uh, another podcast actually um, on how to make a CV, another dental podcast. So mm-hmm. I would advise, you know, listeners to, you know, do their research, you know, um, on how to do it if you've not done it before like me. Um, and then I got the consultants to also look at it at work, you yep. know, cause they're obviously would have done it before. And it was quite helpful, some tips they said. And then what I also did was I made a portfolio and it was a clinical portfolio and it was um, at the end of it, it had like a achievements and other sections, like any good reviews I got from other practices, any like things I'd done extracurriculum, the projects and everything else. So mm-hmm. I put all that with some clinical photos, made sure that it was, um, you know, showed a variety of work to show the, to show the, practice I was going to what kind of stage I was what I'd done before and what I could really offer to the practice yeah and then so yeah and then I started sending them off and getting their replies back so because it was still through COVID um I went through loads of different interview processes everyone was interviewing in a different way yeah some were just online some would send back a series of questions that I had to fill out and then send back to them um and some wanted to see me face to face even to begin with so it was it was really really varied i'd say um but yeah it was it was a very different experience and that's how i really approached it to begin with Um, so i think so yeah really important i guess is that element of preparing yourself so doing your cv doing your portfolio um i'm sure we've all looked at these dental pages it seems like it's a common way to get jobs now when you look on those pages they all to me, seem the same. It's the same post. It's we've got all the mod cons. We've got digital X-rays. We've got wave one or whatever. There's excellent private potential. Everywhere seems to have excellent yeah. private potential. How do you, when you look at those adverts, how do you have any idea which yeah. is any good? Which is the one that would be good for you? How, how did you sift through all of those? It's true. You don't. I would say to this day, I still don't know. They all say the same thing. And one way to narrow it down a little bit first was for me through distance. Um, and I'd really, really now that I've started the job as well, you know, it is a very high intensity job. Even when you get used to them, it is very, you know, physically demanding day in day out. Um, so I wouldn't go somewhere that has a very long distance to where you're living because it will. Are you you close to work? Yeah, I've, I'm a 15 minute bike ride. Same, yeah. <laughs> number one tick to <laughs> So yeah, so I'd say that was my first filter um, was how close it is. And secondly, um, I went on their website just to see, you know, have a little bit more of a look, see how how they were doing, who was at the practice, whether they had, for example, FDs at the practice, because mm-hmm. I thought, and you know, if, if they have FDs, they might be a bit more supportive. Um, the the age groups of the like the other associates because I was I'm quite young still in my career so I thought it would be nice to you know have some other young associates there mm-hmm. um, so those were the things I was really looking at with on their website as well but still even within that it didn't narrow things down so I I actually applied to all of them (laughs) (laughs) I applied to a lot um and I went to a lot of interviews and I think that was actually really good it's kind of like I'd say speed dating like you get a good like vibe about how the place is Mm -hmm. and when you go to one interview you think oh that was like really good and then you go to another place and you're like oh that was like even better it's like 
it makes you think of things that you didn't think before and it, it just widened your horizon. So I would say, mm -hmm. you know, don't be afraid to apply to loads of places. Personally, I thought it was good for me. Um, but then you are, you have to end up, you know, narrowing those choices down and having a certain thinking long and hard about it. But yeah, sorry, I don't have a clever magic way of <laughs> sifting through those posts. <laughs> Fair enough. What about, um, so you mentioned uh, FD practices. So did you, ha had you had the opportunity to speak to other FDs on your scheme that were people able to give you information about? Because you being in London still, mm. I guess as a, we all know that F1 and dentistry knows each other. Was there an element of that, that networking that helped out as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I got in touch with other, other people. I went through my scheme and asked whether those, the practices they were at, if they knew anywhere. And some of them did say some places and I went there, but it was too far from where I was living. Um, I went back to my, in fact, going back to my FD practice, the second one was the first one I applied for. Um, but by that point we'd moved to East London. So it wasn't, um, and that was West. So I couldn't really travel to there. It was quite far, but yeah, I'd, I'd actually recommend people to, you know, start there because I'd say those, those practices, you know, it's already been they've already been looked at they are an fd practice mm -hmm. you know it's a good place to start um start looking i'd say okay uh, i think it's it's really interesting actually that both of you have kind of broken away from the hospital to a degree but you haven't quite fully made the the plunge um so what, what is there any particular reason that you don't, haven't decided to go into practice full-time? Like why only part-time at the moment? He's testing it out or what's the story there? I think for me, one of the things I love about dentistry is that we can have such a varied career and, and it's not uncommon for people to work in multiple practices, in and out of the hospital, in teaching and research. And there are all of these different avenues and, and I always wanted to have a nice amount of variety in in my career, and and then you know, I guess as a also as a process of of narrowing down what I wanted to do career wise as well uh, by experiencing things and and you know potentially ruling things out or, or keeping keeping on with the things that I've been enjoying, and so the you know the the opportunity arose when I was getting towards my the end of my post as a DCT at the Eastman, um, and so. Yeah, I sent off my application hoping that hoping that I'd, I'd get it. I always fancied doing uh, doing some teaching. Uh, I just didn't really think that I might get the opportunity at this stage of my career. I thought that it was something that I might eventually get to do when I was a bit old and wizened. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, mostly because I wanted to have some variety. I think that maybe one of the mistakes that people make in dentistry and one of the reasons that that dentists become unhappy in their job is that it's it it can be quite an isolated career certainly in practice mm -hmm. if you work in a small practice you know some dentists might work in a in a single surgery practice and they're in that small room day in day out for a really long time 40 years potentially yeah and, and I, I remember someone saying when we were at dental school that sort of psychologically it's not that dissimilar to being in a prison cell <laughs> <laughs> and so and i think that that must have resonated with me because i i then thought oh you, you know that i i don't really want that for myself i don't think i want to work in a small practice mm. you know potentially six days a week yeah. for the rest of my life I'd, I'd rather you know try and you know experience everything and, and 
see what see what works, see, see what I enjoy. And so uh, you know that was my real motivation. And so far, I mean, it's only a few months in, but so far I'm enjoying it. I think that it's nice to have my week broken up. I think it makes it makes time go a bit more quickly and mm. keeps it you know keeps keeps me motivated, keeps me interested, it keeps options open again. Coming back, to yeah, yeah, and, and, and having and, different and, options yeah. open. Yeah, I'd say the same, same as Max really. Um, I love it that it just breaks up my week. Um, I'm at the hospital Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, so Wednesdays bang in the middle, it's great. I look forward to it. Um, and um, so for me, it's same, same as Max really, the opportunity arose at the end and I sent on my application hoping I'd get it. And so I don't do a lot of teaching within my job. It's mainly one afternoon that I supervise some DCTs, um, but it's I still mainly see sleep apnea patients within the hospital. And I really enjoy the the fact that you go in and it's you're surrounded by loads of people every day. And, you know, it's I just find it quite nice to have that interaction with them, the hospital environment. And I thought it would be good to, you know, keep a foot in hospital. You never know what the future holds. Um, if you yeah. want to go back, you can have that access to do like this clinical governance, those projects that, you know, you need to get back into things um, and to still have the access to like being able to speak to the consultants if you've got a difficult case, you know, to have that all available to you and then to still have the practice option as well if you want to fully continue to practice so yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend it to anyone really that's good I think probably another thing that people are concerned about when we talk about this transition from hospital to practice is um money I mean it's something that we need to talk about um I guess there's two elements really one element is probably get paid more yourself in practice than you might do in hospital. But I think uh, more importantly in terms of concerns is that conversation in hospital and in FD really to a degree, there's not a huge amount of discussion about costs. Was that a concern? Did, did you um, find that challenging to start talking more about money again after being in hospital? How, was, how did you find that element? Um, you're right, actually. And that's something that I think we both failed to, to mention that it, yeah <laughs> definitely not something that you mention as a dct and not something that you're used to talking about mm. you 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 know you you talk about the treatment and the proposed treatment plan and and you know the potential options that the patient has there but but then you know once they've decided on what they what they want you know money isn't a factor uh and so and so yeah it was something that, that i found a bit of a challenge um and and something that i had come you know well i'd say become you know unaccustomed to but even as a foundation dentist you you know you treat most of the nhs patients and and most of the sort of treatment options that that you discuss with them you, you don't really stray that far from from what the nhs has to offer and so yeah. i think then um starting to offer uh, private treatments and discussing um costs then something that i, I still I, th I think will probably take quite a long time before i i kind of figure out exactly the best way to approach yeah, I think that um, I, you know, I definitely don't feel overly confident yet 
um, in in terms of in terms of that. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know how if Nikki feels the same <laughs> or she's completely fine. <laughs> no, I'd say yeah, the same really. When I first started, um, obviously, yeah, the fact of discussing money with them. Um, in fact, I found out that band one, two, and three, the cost had changed since I was in FD, so <laughs> I had to put them on a post-it note quickly to tell the patients the right amount. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of change. And I think, yeah, definitely bringing up private treatment and offering them to different options was a bit daunting to begin with. Um, still to this day, I let, let them really uh, like bring it up if, they, if they're interested in other private treatments, you know, um, that isn't part of their treatment plan like aesthetic wise and so on. So um, I'm more led by the patient because I feel like that opens up the conversation easier for me to discuss with them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it is a definite aspect that you are, you know, you need to get wrap your head around. But I'd say actually another side of money is um, as an associate is discussing the money with your principal dentist as well, because yeah. within the hospital, we just got a pay like a paycheck at the end exactly, of it. Yeah. We didn't discuss it. Now with COVID and everything, there's, I don't even want to delve into it over this because I still don't understand it fully, but there's so many different things, the UDA value, everything that you got to discuss with them. So I'd say as an associate, there's there's a whole other side of things and tax and so on that we weren't really taught that well at DCT or DFT. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think financially in both ways, it was, it's been a learning curve, definitely. Okay. If there was somebody who's doing DCT at the moment who was thinking about going back into practice, is there any advice that you would give having just gone through this experience any tips tricks anything that you think would help them i'd say that it's always going to be a little bit of a shock moving from the dct pathway back into practice uh, you know as for, for all of the reasons that we've discussed i think if you manage to find a practice where you have an understanding and supporting a supportive principle and you can hopefully sort of have a transition into practice I guess I think when I reflected back on my first few days back into practice I was very much I think because I'd been there as a foundation dentist and I was familiar with the place and familiar with everyone I was very much thrown straight in to a full diary and you know no no sort of no warm-up just just <laughs> just straight in and I think on reflection it would have been nice to perhaps just spend some days shadowing the other associates, perhaps start off with a quieter book just yeah. to get used to using the computer system again um, and, and just get used to the whole, you know, the, the everything that working in practice entails. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I, if I could rewind time, I would probably have had that conversation with the principal beforehand and said, I would quite like this. It doesn't, I don't think it would have needed to be very long yeah. i think maybe just you know a couple of days even mm -hmm. just to um just to get back into the swing of of how it works and and uh, the you know dealing with with all of the the things that you have to deal with yeah definitely following on from that i i found that i, I did shadow just because i think it i wasn't my fd practice so i didn't know everyone there mm -hmm. um so i chose to go in and shadow um i think i went two days two or two or three days and and i found that really 
useful when I started it. I didn't actually think it was useful when I first went to Shadow. I thought, oh, it's fine. But when I actually started it, the fact that I knew the computer system and I got to know the team a little bit better, it actually helped um, a lot with regards to managing everything. Um, and you shadowed the list you were taking over, was that right? Yeah, yeah. So I shadowed the, so essentially it was someone who was leaving the practice after 14 years. So I shadowed him with how he was interacting with his patients and who he was seeing. And he actually pointed out some of the patients that were gonna come and the treatment that was outstanding and needed to be done. So it was good. I kind of felt more prepared of what's gonna come and I got the heads up about the patients and so on. And just to get to know the team, I hadn't done, used that computer system particularly well. So that was good. Um, so yeah, definitely, yeah, totally agree with you, Max. It's good to, you know, go in and shadow. Shadow, decibel. ease yeah. into it from, no, that's, I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's next for you guys? Is it going to be <laughs> staying in practice? Are you going to keep this split hospital practice set up? What, what are your, what are your next steps? Do you think? I, I mean, you, you may have gathered already, I'm not someone who has a real set career path <laughs> within dentistry. Uh, I, I quite like my fingers in lots of pies first. Um, and I think I'll just carry on with with my current setup. I, I'm enjoying it as it is. It's only been a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to building on my teaching experience with the hygiene and therapy department. Um, we've just started um, supervising them, seeing the first patients. And so been been uh, you know very good reliving that whole experience <laughs> and, and experiencing what it's like from the other side but from having having been through sort of seven years as a trainee of being being supervised to be the supervisor is is, <laughs> is quite you know it's quite eye-opening really you know but certainly certainly sort of made me understand a lot more about how difficult the job is from for the uh for the supervisor uh and so and so yeah building on that experience and and uh, yeah building on my experience in practice getting getting completely used to it and and seeing that where it takes me you know maybe undergoing some further training in a in a certain area in the future but as yet not sure which that would be <laughs> fair enough that's <laughs> Um, so with me, um, I kind of knew from early on that I wanted to do postgraduate training, mm -hmm. um, like within DCT level, and I was quite interested in pros. So I'm gonna try and apply this year um, or next for the pros don't extend Clindent. Mm -hmm. And really having fully come to that conclusion um, led me to reevaluate um, my practice. And I found out that the practice I was at currently, it wouldn't, the, the patient base wasn't the right patient base for me to practice the skills that I would be learning in this prosthodontic course part-time. So that led me to the decision to look at different practices, having started this practice uh, two months ago. And uh, so yeah, long story short, I've given my notice in yesterday and I'm gonna move to a new practice in three months. So yeah, big, big, big change. A lot of change, yeah. A lot of change again. Um, but I think, I think it's been good. I've really, I've gained a lot from my short experience there, and you know, I've learned a lot of what things I like in the practice and what things I didn't like. And having applied again, um, it was more useful because I knew what to expect and what things to look for. Um, so yeah, within the new one, I think it aligned with my career goals, but better and allowed me to do the learn the skills within the pros and apply them so yeah i think that's another good piece of advice is to do what do what's good for you i, I guess and and if you 
have a pathway or something that you've got in mind then just to to, to follow that and do that whether that's practice dct whatever yeah definitely um so, so to, to finish off i i would like to hear so if there's dcts out there thinking about going into practice and they're unsure sell it to them what what three things do you think are, are good about practice um that you, you enjoy about your job um i love i love how busy it is and how you're like on all the time and you see a wide variety of people um day in day out. and i love making that social connection with every single one of them and you know getting that relationship with every single one seeing them come back finishing treatment plans um it's a very different to hospital you got a lot more independence things get done a lot quicker um which is good and i really enjoy getting faster clinically getting more competent more confident in my own clinical judgment and self and I'd say, well, I didn't have this within hospital where I didn't have the same nurse. So now I've got uh, a nurse that I work with regularly and I really enjoy the, you know, the connection we've built and we just work around each other. Like she knows exactly what I want when, mm -hmm. just makes the whole thing a lot more streamlined. Yeah. And I actually really look forward to going to work, you know, seeing her and seeing the patients together. So those things I love about practice. That's nice. I think Nikki's probably stolen a lot of the good points there, mate. <laughs> so think, have you got any additional? I think she might have done really. I I I completely agree. I think that the the whole process in practice seem, tends to be a lot more efficient. Mm. Uh, I'd say also compared with being a DCT, you have much less paperwork. And so yeah, when we you know when, when the practice closes, you know, just after five, I can cycle home and I'm, you know, work doesn't come home with me. I, yep. I haven't got, you know, I haven't got a load of letters to write and things like that. And so, and so I'd say that in terms of my, my personal life, I've benefited from that, in, you know, being able to come home and, you know, just make dinner or go out running, whatever, without having run late and, and then have a, a load of things piling up to, to catch up on. And so I think that, that that's really nice. Uh, and, and again, the continuity of, mm. of, you know, rather than being in a post for one year, seeing people for a, a certain treatment and then not seeing them again and not, not having that follow up and, and seeing, I guess, seeing your failures really and, and learning from those. I think that that's, you know, a really important learning, uh, you know, learning element of, uh, of, our, of our career really learn, yeah. you know, far more from your mistakes than your successes. Uh, and so maybe maybe Nikki <laughs> being in, only being in her practice for a few months might not might not see too many mistakes come back hopefully um, but yeah that <laughs> I think that that yeah being able to see your patients from from start to finish yeah. recall them I think that's a nice element as well perfect that's great well thank you both so much for your time uh, it's been really interesting listening to um, both of your experiences and I'm sure our listeners have found that really useful um, so thank you very much. Thank, thank you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes.